Welcome to Found Objects with Meaning, a podcast series from Wallpaper Magazine in collaboration with Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices that help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. My name is Jonathan Bell, and I'm Wallpaper Magazine's Transport and Technology Editor. In these podcasts, I'll be talking to six people about their personal and professional attachment to a wide variety of physical objects. We'll be discussing the stuff that surrounds them, the things that define them, and the objects that have inspired them, focusing on something they still treasure, as well as the precious possession they've lost along the way. Whether it's transformative technologies, favourite tools or inspirational artworks, Found Objects of Meaning is all about the creative and emotional force of the objects that we have and the things that we've lost. My guest today is the former professional cyclist David Miller. David turned pro at the age of 20, and by the turn of the century, he was a hugely successful rider, winning stages of the Tour de France for the French team Covidis. However, in 2004, his world turned upside down when he was arrested, charged and suspended from the sport for doping. Following his ban, David successfully returned to cycling in 2008 as part owner and rider for the Garmin Slipstream team. He also became a prominent anti-doping advocate and has written two books about his experiences. He remains the only British rider to have worn all the leaders' jerseys at the Tour de France. In 2014, David retired from professional racing and co-founded the brand Chapter 3, selling high-tech clothing and accessories for cyclists of all abilities. He is also a regular media commentator, as well as a passionate believer in second chances and our ability to change and grow. David joins us today from his family home in Girona, Spain. David, I'd like to tell me a little bit about an object that you had and owned, but have now lost... I've lost a lot of things, <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm a bit of a kleptomaniac, so, I mean, although people aren't seeing this, my where I am now, I'm sitting in my study at home, and it's essentially kind of my memory palace. There's stuff everywhere. It goes up and around, and kind of there's bikes and on the walls, and on the other side, there's, there's everything, because I, I've tended to, because I've had a relatively nomadic life, uh, living in six different countries and, never being in one place very long and it's I've objects have been kind of my um how would I put them they're 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 the thread that allow me to remember things because I don't have a hometown or home village or even a country really so I just all my stuff just travels with me as my my memory palace um and uh, yet over the years just by the very nature of that means relatively I've got probably I've collected more stuff than others and I've lost more stuff than others so it's quite hard to put to, to choose anything but I suppose if I was going to go for one thing it would be the biggest thing which was a house uh, the first house I, I ever owned which was when I was younger in Biarritz I lost a whole house because uh, I turned my life upside down um, by uh, doping in sport and uh, being arrested and losing everything and at the time my I was the, everything that I was putting all, all the rewards into was this house that I was building um, in Biarritz in the south west of France and because I'd never had a family home and I thought well I'll build a family home and I'll build a family from here but I lost that and then that was very much a, a kind of a it was a fork in the road uh, that from that moment on, I was I've become very, relatively. Although I keep all this stuff, the older I get, the the more uh, I wouldn't say indifferent. Uh, I'm not that bothered if it comes or goes anymore because that was quite a that was quite a, a childhood's end. Regards possessions when I lost that, 
because I thought that possession would change everything. There's a lot to unpack here because uh, I'm talking to you over Zoom, which of course sadly our listeners can't see, but you're sitting in front of a, a bookshelf which is not filled just with books, but with um, all sorts of objects and there's a globe and there are model cars and sort of the remnants or the, the detritus of life that we build and we carry carry around with us. But you're saying that actually objects and material possessions aren't so important to you now? No, not really. I mean, I, I think because I've had them, it's the privilege and privilege in the sense that when I was younger, I, I've, I've had very white middle class life. Um, you know, it's, it is a life of privilege. You get stuff, you get objects. It's, it's part of the, we take it for granted, I think, especially the wallpaper audience, I think. The fact that it's a magazine called Wallpaper, the fact we can care about the stuff that around us means that objects are important. And for the majority of the, the planet, objects are, are an absolute privilege. And so we, we can be quite frivolous regards them. And I, I, I wouldn't say I'm frivolous about them. There are things here that have traveled with me for 35 years. You know, there's still through, through five different countries that I've kept there's, you know, and so because I do think they're important, but uh, I, I'm also, they come and go, and it's not, I, I like it, it's a privilege, but the older I get, the less they define me, but it's, it's, it's kind of just fun, isn't it, collecting stuff. I'm just wondering if, the, if um, the loss that you've experienced, you know, the big losses, you lose a house, which is, for most people, is the, the largest and most expensive object they will ever own in their life. Having lost that, that's presumably made the smaller things and the things that have travelled with you over decades more important. Um, and perhaps because you've almost taken their presence for granted, then you haven't been able to experience the loss of something which you've had around you for such a long time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if we rewind to that, that was 2004, 2004. So I was 27 years old, so I bought this amazing derelict house in the middle of Biarritz kind of one of the last houses of standing in the centre of Biarritz when I was 24, 25, then spent a few years renovating it. But I never actually spent a night in it because I was arrested about two months before it was completed. Um, but then my life just took a totally different direction. I then, all the, the worldly possessions I had were in the small flat apartment that I lived in in Biarritz, about 500 metres from that house. And they all went into storage. I rented a van and put the, all my stuff in there and then moved back across to London and put the possessions that I had at the time into a storage container in London and lived on my sister's sofa and surfed sofas for about eight months a year and then got a tiny place up in the north of England and then went and unpacked that that storage container in London which wasn't that big and it was like it was nice because it was like oh that's my stuff's back that's that's me I can kind of get it taken back and I can start laying it around and putting it on shelves. And the one thing, you see the books, so the books have always travelled with me from when I was a teenager. I've still got just behind me all my books from when, in Hong Kong when I was, that's there, now 30 years old. And, but they've, all my books have always gone with me everywhere and I lend them, if I lend a book to somebody, I don't lend it, I give it to them and I just replace, I buy it immediately. So I always give books, I'm an absolute OCD, none of these books have cracked spines. You could like spend hours in here just going through stories about each one of the objects, which is kind of part of the point of it, I guess, isn't it? So I guess that's what seems to be really important to you is that there is a, an association with something and that's what gives it its value. It's not the inherent value of something like a piece of art, which is expensive or beautifully made or, um, or rare. It's the association you feel between a particular book that you read at a particular time or something that you picked up in your travels. 
Is that mm. correct? Uh, yeah, and I think art's a great example. So uh, I love art as well, and, but it's it, it's so personal, isn't it? It's and I remember this. This is it's not relative to art, but it's relative to when I was so soaked up in my uh, professional cycling life when I was a kid, and it was the the most important thing in my life. Yet I'd have times where I go, "Why am I? Why is this so important to me?" It's just race bicycles, and it was that idea. Well, it's not. It's important to me, and that's if a, a piece of art, somebody sees it and falls in love with it, it's important to them, and you can't. They can't explain it. You know, and it's and that's often the thing with objects. There's a there's a thread that goes through it. There's something that's reminded you of something you might not consciously be aware of it. Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is that the memory associated with an object seems to be the thing that you carry with you. Did the house symbolise that kind of break in your career, or was it just collateral damage? I think it symbolised everything in many ways. Um, in the sense that I was accomplished. I was successful without doping I wanted more I was greedy I was in the wrong place at the wrong time I I made mistakes I made uh, got more money got more stuff to spend and I and I figured that do something with it and it was actually I was trying to make sense of the mistakes I was making by turning it all into something that was actually had a foundation was was bricks and mortar was beautiful when I lost it, when I was in, uh, I was in Biarritz, locked up and in their jail for 48 hours. I got a lot of time to think. And at the time I was an ambassador for Jaguar, I had this beautiful house, I was one of the highest paid cyclists in the world, I was world champion. And I realised when I was in there, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to lose it all, aren't I? And I remember thinking, yeah, don't really care. And I, and it's, and I remember vividly thinking, oh, you idiot. <laughs> it's I don't actually care if I lose it all it's that I wasn't doing it for that and so actually I'd created this kind of this house of cards uh, to, to justify it to show to kind of actually deep down I was just still the kid who wanted to win bike races I didn't give a shit about the money or the objects and so that was and that's why I say it was quite a pivotal moment losing that house because it woke me up to the fact that actually that never motivated me the objects yeah. it was the objects kind of the they they were just kind of the peripheral stuff that mm -hmm. the shiny things like a magpie you collect for the sake of it you steal of other people but they don't actually the house would have presumably been, been tainted by the things that you did and so you're actually losing the house was you could go clean because you didn't have the things that riding dirty brought you yeah i suppose so I love this because you hadn't. I, I have always thought about that, but then if we look at all the beautiful country houses in the UK, they're all tainted by slavery. Yeah, you've always got to be careful regards kind of making sure it's relative. And I guess that's what that's what's happened to me, and I guess that's what's happened to me over the years. What was so important to me with that house, and what I felt that I was putting so much into, then you lose it, and you realize, well, actually, then you start thinking about, and that's the good thing about reading and learning. You think, well, it's not that important, is it? It's not. It's not the end of the world. It's, everything's fixable. So if you, if you you bring that mindset through into how you live now, and do you think that you've got a, a less emotive relationship with the objects that surround you at the moment? Yeah, I think so. My wife would say differently. She's, she hates my office, my study, because it's just an absolute... Uh, yeah, it's like something out of a, a Victor Charles Dickens kind of horrible pastiche 
<laughs> so there's a certain comfort. But you're getting, you have a certain comfort in, in those objects, clearly. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it gives me, it's, it's all my stuff, you know, it's my identity. And, uh, and as I said, because I've moved around, this is, this is my memory palace. And it is a comfort as I come in here. I know, as I said, I could look down, I know my books are down there from when I was a kid. I got, that's just behind me. That's the trophy, the first of a trophy I won, which I just found recently as a <laughs> cyclist. And you think there's a star ferry, there's a little, my friend Douglas Brooks, who's a, an amazing Sanskrit scholar, gave me this as the, the god of crashes and different things. And, you know, there's all these different things. And, but it is just curiosities. You know, there's nothing... And I and and it's only just happened recently, and I notice that every year I have my kind of, or actually every couple of weeks I have to clear stuff out of here because it just quickly accrues. But every year now my my clearouts get bigger, and I throw throw more stuff away and stuff that I've been keeping for years, and and I don't really mind. And I think what's happening now is that I'm getting a bit more comfortable. I I don't need this stuff anymore. And I guess because we've lived in this house now for seven years and uh, willing that life carries on okay, we won't have to leave here and I don't intend to ever leave here. So I don't really need all this stuff going anymore because I'm not going anywhere anymore. It's kind of now the roots are being placed. The memories are in the landscape. They're in the, the, the walkings with the kids. They're, they're becoming real rather than objects. They're becoming okay. actual experiential, not yeah. kind of just things. With more of us looking for alternative and sustainable ways to get around, many have turned to cycling. Now you can stay safer and feel confident on the roads with Curve Bike Light and GPS Tracker, the latest device from the designed and connected by Vodafone Smart Tech range. Featuring an intelligent brake light, GPS tracking, impact detection and help alerts. For smarter safety on and off your bike, search Vodafone Smart Tech. Subscription required and terms apply. So the memory palace yeah. is, a, is actually a kind of structure that you, as a protective structure that you've built to get to a certain point in your life. And once it's once it's finished and, and fully assembled, you're then you've then got that scaffolding on which you can say, okay, I've got this safe place now. I can move forward and actually start living some memories. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it actually. And I think that's what it's it's been a scaffolding. It's been um, a, a safety blanket. A kind of a, kind of it's been just traveled with me as my, I guess, kind of like having that big trunk that goes around with you across the world, just kind of always with you of your belongings. And then eventually you can unpack them somewhere. Then over time, the less you have to pack them back up again, you don't need them as much. They, they kind of disappear into the, the, the surroundings. But it is, and I think this also goes into, because I think there's a very, the human mind is an amazing thing, but it's quite forgetful or it's quite it constructs what it wants and especially depending on how we live our lives and and how diverse it is we often don't re remember what happened we remember the memory of what happened and so keeping the things around you and especially if you don't have the localities the people around you which i don't generally i don't have friends that go back a long time so the objects serve as the the kind of anchor points in your narratives just to make sure kind of it's consistent. But then as time goes on, and I think where I am now is the, the anchor points are becoming real world. Yeah. I don't need them so much in the objects. It's, yeah. We've been here seven years and this house, it's going 
the children are growing up they're the best memories now and yeah. kind of going for walks walking the dogs riding my bike here just living life having events happen and then the importance dissipates off these little things these trinkets of life i think some people spend their life building memory palaces and eventually mm. they turn into memory museums and yeah. they become they become trapped in them but i think you're what you're saying is is more interesting and it's it's a a place that you can constantly remodel until you're happy with it and once you're happy with it you're happy to let things go yeah there's certain things so i because of the very nature of what i do now i have a company and brand we we design and make stuff and a lot of this so there's a couple of things i do especially with clothes weirdly because i'm a bit weird like that i kind of store them because i find them interesting so i kind of archive stuff the very nature of what i'm doing now is, is creative and 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 making is i archive a lot so there's now that kind of differentiation between klepto object selfish memory triggers or archive for creative purposes I think um, that's just another excuse, though, isn't it? A lot of people use that. That's what I'm using. I can't possibly throw this away because <laughs> it might one day come in useful. It does, though. It does. I'm, I'm convinced of it. But, yeah, and I, I, I think you're right. And it's, it's, there's something, there's a reason we have the spring cleans and we do anchor ourselves to these objects uh, for, for the healthiest reasons, I think, and mm. sentimental reasons and emotional reasons. Because it's amazing how objects can can give you an emotional response. You kind of pick it up and it triggers these, almost projects you into a, a place and a time. And it's the ghosts. It, it brings to life the ghosts of past and, and often the good ones. Because let's face it, you wouldn't keep it if it triggered negatives. No, um, absolutely. And so I think it's really interesting that we do that. We try and keep the, the good ones. It, it gets pretty dark if you keep if you keep the negative ones, which occasionally you do, which I've done in the past as well. I mean, that was the reason I got arrested um, back in 2004, because I'd kept the final syringe I'd used. Um, right. Okay. And as a reminder, and that's what the police found in my, in, in my bookshelves, in my, in my apartment. And that was the only evidence they had. But that, and that was because sometimes you keep something as a sl- subliminal, as a, as a trigger point to not mm. forget for for the right reasons so you know objects are pretty they're pretty powerful things they're pretty pivotal aren't they in life's moments yeah. if you when you boil yeah. it down to that is there anything any single object that you you know you've spoken now of being able to get rid of things or archive them is there anything you really don't think you could ever lose or ever be without from all this stuff that's yeah happened to you? yeah i th- thought about that a bit um because i knew we were going to talk about this and I mean, if we take out the kind of the essence of life, which is the people around us, uh, my wife and children, whom I live with here, uh, then after that, the kind of, everything's replaceable. And, you know, it hurt, but I can't think of one thing that I really kind of miss. And there's a part of me that would, would in many ways perhaps welcome it, not having to have anything and it would be brutal and horrible but you know because there's stuff in here that's irreplaceable there are analog pictures from with me and my sister when we were kids and those are memories that would disappear you know when i was thinking about this as a kind of a thought experiment if i was to 
kind of decide that there was one thing that I need to take if if this kind of desert island thing or the house is burning down, you think, well, actually, that would then become the kind of the the genesis or the the seed for the rest of your life. Because the fact you chose that would then mean that's what you have decided you are at that point. And then it was, if it was so important and you'd sacrificed and you'd let everything else go for that one thing, then that one thing would become you. It would own you. The totemic and object. It would become a totemic object and it would be, you wouldn't, it would become kind of almost this black cloud of something. There's, there's something, if you, if you had the choice and you had one thing, well, maybe it would be nothing because, yeah. and I guess that's the whole, that's the whole concept, isn't it? Of, of kind of wisdom and, and philosophy and stoicism is to be able to let go. And all or nothing. All or nothing. Yet, it's that idea. You can only do it if you have everything. Yes. You yeah. know, there's a great again going back to the idea of privilege. Mm. To to be able to even say that, no, it's good. Go and take anything. Yeah. You imagine if you had very little, there would definitely be something you'd keep, because yeah. it would be so important to you. In a nutshell, I wouldn't be able to choose because I got too much crap. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, at, at a kind of a higher level, I just don't think I'd. I'd hate to think what I'd become. It would be like Gollum and precious. <laughs> that one thing. It reminds me a little bit of the of the debate around minimalism, maybe twenty years ago or so, fifteen, twenty years mm. ago. And it it was ultimately a very privileged way of living, being able to pare your belongings down to nothing and to only have a beautifully hand wrought chair or a mm. bowl cast by a famous potter. Just those having those things on display and nothing else was as much a statement about wealth and success and excess as as having a cluttered victorian style treasure house but i i think a lot of that as well as different people because i know a lot of people who are like that i mean my sister and i are our best friends yet we're yin and yang she's minimalist she's very successful she's the ceo of bell staff and a, f- a full-blown hitter and she lives a very different life to me. She's very minimalist. She has a beautiful house and it's just stripped back and elegance personified and then mine's Dickensian and, and crazy. And we're both the same DNA, the same nature. Um, well, I say that, was, but perhaps we're not. We're brother and sister. We can be very different. And so I think everybody's got there, although we, we may say that the trends come and go. We'll always dictate it on who's successful at the time and the way they're living. But that doesn't mean that that's kind of the way to do it. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, very, I'm not judgmental about that. I, I love walking into a house and it being full of stuff. Because I think, yeah. and we often say that, if you walk in, and I think we've all done it, and we haven't done it in a long time because of COVID, is visiting somebody's house for the first time. It's, oh, yes, it's an incredible judgment. And it's if not funny. a judgment, still a value that we assert to however people live and, and what they yeah. have. But we're and all think, doing yeah. this now with Zoom, I think. I mean, there's a, yeah. the whole insight that we're getting into how other people live and work and present themselves. You're presenting yourself in front of a bookshop. The very people who are telling us that objects aren't important, uh, they tend to have already owned a lot of objects. And I think there's it's a, been a decision. Yeah. I think there's a generational thing there as well. And you speak to mm. kind of in your 40s, becoming more and more aware of the, the weight of objects and the role of objects. Mm. 
Yeah, that's a really good one because there's, there's you go through that critical point in your life where it's like you're going to buy some stuff, you're going to get, you want your kids to have it, and then whereas the kids don't really give a shit, yeah, they kind of they want to have memories, you know, and it's and, and I guess in many ways that's been a revelation as I get older as well as it's it's the time you spend with people, it's the memories you create, and there's a there's a there's a brilliant book I recommend read. It's called The Power of Moments by Chip okay. and Dan Heath wonderful book um which is something that I, my sister used to always take the piss out of me because i was always we've got to do something new i was always like chasing moments chasing memories chasing new things it got me in a lot of trouble as well but but it does mean that where i am now i've had such an amazing life of experiences and moments and and there is this it, well actually it's recognized as what the older we get, the reason time passed by quickly is, as we get older, is because there's very few new things happening. Um, hence why most of our most uh, uh, visceral and important memories happen in our teens and 20s, yeah. because they're first, they're first experiences. And when they're first experiences, it means that your, your whole body reacts to it. And with your whole body reacting it out of fear, out of curiosity, it then that embeds in your memory because it has to it's a chemical reaction because when you're going into it it's new and you have to decide whether it's fight or flight it's all just you're having to create a whole new space in your brain to to, to know what's just about to happen and that can be your first love it can be the first time you get in a plane it can be the first time you you go to a new country or the first time you hurt yourself really badly um and as we get older we don't do things for the first time much anymore we, for, for one reason or another, life becomes quite just hard, doesn't it? You're just doing the same thing over and over, just trying to get things done. There's something to be said to trying to create those moments, yeah. to, to, to challenging yourself, and those become objects in themselves, yeah. those, those experiences. And, and so if you can kind of create those moments and... One of my favorite authors was, uh, when I was young in my teenage years, I was a total sci-fi geek in my adolescence in Hong Kong, was Arthur C. Clarke. And his autobiography is lovely. And he says there's only one thing. When you're, and he wrote it in his mid-late 70s, I think. He said, when you get to this point in your life, there's your, all you will have left are magic days. That's all you have left. And the magic days are the days you remember vividly. And they tend to have been such powerful moments in your life where something special happened and sometimes they're not they happen by accident but you can create them and and i always remembered that and i thought god you gotta that's going to be something that I have to try and do is create magic days and for not just yourself but the people around you and just really powerful moments and they become objects in themselves these memories that are shared and it's something that we tend to forget these days, and especially in this time of lockdown where it's been a year where it's monotony, where it's very, there are no special moments. The, the, the moments are gone. The moments just kind of just, they all roll into one. So, and so yeah, I suppose if, if there was going to be something that kind of people remember me by, it was the moments. It would be the things we did together. It would be the fact that we went into, we did some pretty crazy shit together. Or it was like, Christ, it was all, middle always got us into those situations. And it was a reason for it. It was because we'll remember it. It's like, yeah. we're going to go and do something different, you know? And it's going to be kind of weird and 
because that's that's what it's about isn't it it's breaking the monotony and it's remembering stuff and we don't remember remember stuff if it's something we've done before so that's what i'd like people to remember me by memories not objects that seems like the perfect place to end it i think david miller thank you very much indeed for talking to us about objects and memories thank you thank you jonathan Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode of Found Objects of Meaning, please subscribe, leave a review, and be sure to share it with your friends. I'd like to thank our guest and also our collaborators, Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices to help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. Search for Vodafone Smart Tech to discover more. Wallpaper Magazine is the global authority on all things about contemporary design and new creativity. To find out more about us, head to wallpaper.com. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.